A petition for an $18 minimum wage is gaining signatures in California. So what that means for the hourly worker. So let's get right into the story. Because I always find minimum wage articles and stories pretty interesting. So let's get right into it. So just months after a federal $15 minimum wage failed to take shape, Californians may get the chance to vote on even higher minimum hourly pay. A measure to raise the state's minimum wage to $18 began to collect signatures in February. If the campaign called the Living Wage Act of 2022 gets 700,000 signatures, it will be on California's November ballot. The purchasing power of the minimum wage declines over time, said Joe Sandberg, an entrepreneur and sponsor of the legislation. That means that we have to keep fighting for an increased minimum wage to make sure that working people can afford life's basic needs. If signed into law, the measure would gradually raise the minimum wage in California to $18 from $15 by 2025. That means that it would increase to $16 in 2023 and $17 in 2024. This would, uh, this would apply only to businesses with more than 25 employees. Those with fewer than 25 employees would reach $17 an hour in 2025. But there's, so technically, there's still going to be a raise for the minimum wage for smaller businesses. The reality in America is that most people who are working full-time live on a knife's edge of financial ruin, said Sandberg. Now, here's the thing. This statement, I would agree with this, but it's not always just due to how much they're paid per hour. It's also sometimes due to their financial illiteracy, right? There's a lot of people who work full-time who have never written a check, don't know how to write a check, don't know how to make a balanced budget, don't even know how to make a budget, right? have maybe never even filed taxes. A lot of people tend to get like super massive tax returns, which means that you're giving the government a tax-free loan for no reason, right? And not to mention, so many people don't really understand the concept, this concept of living on an amount of money that is less than the amount of money that you make. There's a lot of people that actually live on their credit cards because they spend more money than they make per month, which is a very scary thing. And this leads to people with hundreds of thousands of dollars in credit card debt or personal loans and so on and so on. So adding that a higher minimum wage would help support people of color and essential workers. Now, here's the thing, right? They make this sort of statement, right? Adding that like a higher minimum wage would help support people of color and essential workers, right? The thing is, increasing the minimum wage wouldn't necessarily just, you know, affect this specific category of people, right? And also, you got to understand something too. 
giving someone more money doesn't mean that they are actually going to be in a better place financially. For example, a lot of the money that was sent in the form of stimulus checks went straight to Gucci, went straight to Apple to buy a brand new iPhone, went straight to Prada, went straight to brand new TVs from Walmart. Like That's something you got to really understand as well. Just increasing the amount of money that someone gets doesn't mean that you're actually going to directly increase their or improve their financial situation, right? And then also, you're not even factoring in, okay, you're going to raise the minimum wage, but because you raise the minimum wage, those businesses are going to have to raise the prices of their services or products, which then in turn raises the cost for the consumer. And let's say you mandate this, right? And so all these restaurants, or maybe not just restaurants, but like all these grocery stores, for example, end up having to raise the prices of every single one of their products by another 10%, 20%, 30%, right? So if you raise this minimum wage on people who are living paycheck to paycheck already in a high cost of living area where their products end up raising in price, it doesn't really solve anything. It doesn't solve the actual issue, right? Because you have people making not much money in a high cost of living area and a high tax area who probably also don't really have a good understanding of financial literacy. So there's too many negatives for this to really actually do anything. And this is the problem that I see a lot when it comes down to raising a minimum wage. It doesn't actually solve the issue, right? To really solve this issue, you got to help them with financial literacy. Then, on top of that, you also have to improve their skills so that they can find a higher paying job, right? You want them to be able to get a job paying 30 bucks an hour, 40 bucks an hour, 50 bucks an hour, right? You want them to be able to do that. You don't want them to have to stay getting paid only $15, $16, $17, $18 an hour, right? And here's the thing. $18 an hour in like let's say some place like Tennessee, some place like Texas, in some places some parts of Texas, that amount of money per hour is actually a pretty good living depending on where you actually live. Now, $18 an hour in California is like basically nothing, right? The cost of living is so expensive in California, no matter how high you raise the minimum wage, people are still going to get screwed. By living in California. So hourly workers will get a boost. If the measure succeeds, it will give some 5.5 million people in California a raise of more than $6,000 per year. Now here's the thing. Like I mentioned, right? Okay, you give this amount of money a raise per year. But how much are their costs in terms of 
cost of living going to increase per year? Because if it increases by the same rate, like in the certain, like the same amount of money, you've done basically nothing. So California's minimum wage was officially increased to $15 per hour at the beginning of 2022, though some parts of the state have set their own minimum wages higher. The hike would also apply to tipped workers and continue to be adjusted to keep pace with the cost of living past 2025. Even though many businesses have raised wages to attract workers during the so-called Great Resignation, it's important to have policies in place that sets a floor for pay, said Saru J. Rahman, president of advocacy group One Fair Wage. It's essential that we raise wages right now. It's a historic moment where workers are refusing to work for $15 an hour, she said. It's not enough anymore. In addition, it's important to consistently raise compensation because workers are being hit with the highest inflation seen in 40 years. While that has led to wage hikes, having a law in place ensures workers that businesses won't cut their pay later if inflation cools off, Shawira Mann said. The big picture. At the start of the year, 26 states, including California, raised their minimum wages to $15 an hour. The Biden administration initially included a $15 federal minimum wage in COVID relief legislation, but it was dropped. President Joe Biden was, however, able to raise the minimum wage to $15 for all federal contractors, a pay bump that went into effect January 30th. Of course, not all are in favor of raising the minimum wage. Democrats removed raising the federal minimum wage from legislation last year after an amendment from Senator Joni Ernst, a Republican from Iowa, Iowa, Ernst argued that raising wages during the COVID pandemic would hurt small businesses that were already suffering. Well, I don't know why they put two L's in that one, but yeah. Which is a you know good reason, right? Because there's a lot of small businesses that are struggling, that were trying super hard just to get someone to come in to actually work for them. So in addition, hiking pay could potentially lead to job losses. A 2021 report from the Congressional Budget Office found that raising the minimum wage to $15 an hour by 2025 could lead to 1.4 million job losses. However, it would also lift $900,000 oh, 900, people from poverty, according to the report. Now, here's the thing. I do not actually believe this number, right? They say, oh, it would also lift 900,000 people out of poverty. I truly don't believe that because I highly doubt that they factored in financial literacy in this report, right? Because, like I mentioned, it doesn't matter if you give people more money. If they still have a bad understanding of finances, they're still screwed. They are still screwed. So if you do not help them in teaching them about financial literacy, how to spend less money, how to get out of debt, how to manage their money, how to start putting money towards investments, they are still forked up the butt, right? They are still screwed. And a lot of people don't take that into consideration. This is why you get people who are literally making $200,000 a year living paycheck to paycheck, right? 
So you have someone making $200,000 a year, living paycheck to paycheck, being in the exact same financial situation as, guess what, someone who's living in poverty, not even making more than like $10,000 a year and living on food stamps. They are both in probably just barely surviving because they both don't know how finances work, right? And the sad part when you're in the poverty side, on top of having financial illiteracy, you are going to be struggling extremely hard to get out of there, right? Whereas this person who's actually making the really good money, all they need is financial literacy, right? But the people in poverty, they have to find a way to increase their worth, their skill set, so that they can make more money while also learning about finances, learning about personal finance. Because if you get someone in poverty and you just basically have a way to make them have more money, but still having the same understanding of finances, they are screwed no matter what. You have to do both at the same time. And a lot of people do not understand that. Just giving people money will still cause them to screw up. This is why you get people who play the lottery where they have had no understanding of finances beforehand and they get a massive windfall of millions of dollars. Within five years, they lose every single cent of it and then some because they have no understanding of finances. Right, whereas you get someone who's probably making you know maybe sixty to eighty thousand dollars a year, who doesn't have debt, right? They're living a pretty simple, good life, financially speaking, right? They're not really hurting for money. They're not really struggling for bills, like to pay bills. They're not living paycheck to paycheck. When they win the exact same amount of money, well, guess what? One, they typically do not quit their job right away right? They get their finances situated. They make sure they pay their taxes, right? And then once the money actually is cleared after paying the taxes and they actually see what's actually theirs afterwards, then they manage that money in a way that is all just not going to go away on random useless junk. So anytime you have governments you have states trying to raise the minimum wage, it does nothing if they also do not teach people about finances at the same time. And it is so important that people understand finances while also making more money. Because if you do not understand finances and just make more money or just get more money, you're still in a very crappy position regardless, right? So I want people to just be in a better financial situation and just having more money doesn't necessarily solve anything because you can go back to the exact same situation of living paycheck to paycheck or being basically drowning in a sea of debt. If you want to learn how to get a debt and learn how to master your money, go to 40inbox.com.